Welcome to the Before the Stage podcast. This is a podcast where we go behind the scenes of the classical music industry to see what an artist's life is before the stage. So hello everyone. Um, I'm really excited to have Jennifer Rosenfeld here today. Um, she is one of the top business coaches for musicians and I'm excited to just have her on the show and have a great conversation. And I recently went to her six-figure musician entrepreneurship live intensive and it was a fantastic experience full of just inspiration. And so I'm really excited to just dive into this conversation. So hi Jennifer, it's great to hi. have you. Thank you so much for having me. Really looking forward to speaking with you. Yeah. So I just want you to kind of um, talk about your journey from just where you are today. <laughs> so that whole story. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I have a musical background. Um, I grew up playing piano, doing a lot of choir. Um, I've been really obsessed with musical theater since I was a kid. Um, but then I went to college and studied Russian literature and history and did music throughout. And I wasn't really sure what I was gonna do right after. I, at the time I wanted to become a lawyer. Uh, I ultimately did go to law school, but something kind of remarkable happened for me at the end of my senior year, which is that really on a whim, a friend of mine from high school and I entered a business plan competition together at Tufts University where my friend Julia was a student. So we were seniors in college. We entered this business plan competition. We knew nothing about business, but we wanted to, we were both really passionate about the arts. That was what had brought us together as friends. And we just thought, why not try something? You know, why not try to come up with a business idea that unites our interest and can potentially be helpful in bringing younger people into classical music and the performing arts. So we had no idea what we were doing, but we read some books, got some advice and entered this business plan competition in which we ultimately won second prize, which was a total shock to us since everyone else competing in it was a business major or whatever. But that put us on this path to starting our company, iCadenza, which, you know, at the time I thought that would be maybe a, an experiment that we ran for a year and then moved on to our real careers but uh, it actually still exists today. Over 10 years later, I was the CEO of that company for about 10 years. And the work that we did evolved to really be focused on coaching musicians on how to develop their careers. So really focused on classical musicians too, which, tends, which is a very niche part of the overall music space. But I ended up developing this very particular expertise in working with musicians on launching all kinds of artistic projects, helping them grow their income, get more jobs, grow their reputation. And along the way, I was always very passionate about online education and really curious about how we could expand our reach. And also I was really just, you know, frustrated that we would work with musicians who were out in their careers. Many of our clients had been out of school for a long time and they lacked the professional development training and skills that would enable them to be empowered when it came to achieving the goals that they wanted. 
And somehow we sort of figured out how to coach and guide musicians along these paths to teach them how to network, how to promote themselves, how to develop their own projects rather than just waiting to be handed opportunities. And I remember always thinking, it's such a shame that this is not taught in music school because it would be so amazing if someone could graduate in their 20s and have this skill set rather than sort of floundering for 10 years and you know, many of them end up leaving the field because they can't figure out how to make it in the real world. So all of those things were sort of top of mind for me, um, as well as developing my own artistic projects. So in 2018, I decided to step down from running iCadenza in order to focus more on writing a musical, which I'm working on. And several months later, I still had this sort of itch to try to help musicians in the area of education. And in 2019, I launched my own coaching practice, helping musicians create online teaching and coaching businesses to learn how to change their business model away from hourly lessons to higher price packages. So I did that. And then the pandemic hit this year, and it just sort of turned out that what I was teaching musicians how to do to create alternate, alternate income streams became really, really relevant. So... It's been a busy year for me, but um, I've never been more encouraged about what I see musicians as capable of creating, not just on the artistic side, but on the business side too. Yeah, no, it's been quite the year, just everything switching around. (laughs) And it's been, I think, an awakening in the classical music industry to realize there's so much more we can do and it's not in the way that we thought we could do it. I got, you know, (laughs) and... Yeah. And all those business skills that we have to learn now, we're like, oh, wow, these are valuable and they work and (laughs) people have been at it for a while and doing it really well. So, yeah. So I kind of in all of those um, adventures and places you've gone, I just want to ask, like, were there roadblocks that came up as you were going, you know, working on building iCadenza? And then switching into coaching and working with musicians like more one-on-one to eventually group um, coaching. So how um, how did you like make that even that transition over and like roadblocks in that and pursuing musical, like, you know, writing this musical? I'm so excited for that to come out someday. Like I will be there. Oh, thank you. Well, I mean, I feel like the whole journey is roadblocks, basically. So that's one of the things that I'm grateful for is just sort of not being phased by the challenges or the roadblocks. I remember in the early days of iCadenza, the very first roadblock was we graduated. We were so excited to pursue our business idea. And it became pretty clear within a month or two that our initial idea was not going to work. And that was the thing that we'd won second prize in this competition for. And it, it was just, you know, the idea at the time was to do some work with arts organizations to help them use social media to reach out to younger audiences. Sounds obvious now, but in 2009, it's not like arts organizations used Facebook. They didn't. So we realized that arts organizations were not going to take advice or pay money to 22 year olds who just graduated from college. So we had to figure out what are we going to do? And we didn't know for a long time. 
but we got some advice from a mentor who said, why don't you just start doing interviews? Interview people, at least that's something. It might not be a business, but it's a way to get started. And that was just amazing because we, we got to build our network. We ended up getting random work opportunities like producing video for summer festivals, which was hilarious that we did that. We were not particularly well-trained or qualified video people, but um, we just kept staying in motion and kept having conversations and really focused on just getting to know people and being curious. And over time, we started to see themes emerge around what people were saying, what they needed. And along the way, we kept meeting people who became really fabulous mentors to us. So something I'm so grateful for is that Julia, my co-founder at iCadenza and I, we worked with coaches when we were in our early twenties and they helped us, for me, that was the first time that anyone pointed out that your mindset is a thing that you have some element of control over as far as the words you say to yourself. Because I just thought the words playing in my head were accurate you know, things like, you're terrible at achieving anything, you're so behind, like I had a very mean inner dialogue, and I just thought that that was accurate. So getting to work with coaches, becoming aware of the whole inner experience as a, as territory that we could work with, either to help us move forward or to hold us back, was hugely helpful. And um, these coaches helped us learn how to structure our business and start getting clients. So that was hugely helpful, but it was still very challenging to do that. We also went on to start a second company, Cadenza Artists, which is a talent agency, because some of our clients were asking if we would represent them. We thought that sounded really cool. Turns out starting a talent agency is really, really hard, but we did that and it took about I think five years for the agency to become respected and for us to be able to book artists at major venues and to work with musicians who already had significant careers in motion. So I have to say, you know, this last year has been my easiest year in business as far as people coming to me and like a lot just sort of landing on my doorstep. It's not the norm of what I experienced. Most of it has been really, you know, fighting every day to be seen, to make an impact, to be heard, to reach out to people. So it's sort of all, all roadblocks, but that's the joy of it too. Oh, wow. I like how you talk about like everything was almost a roadblock until now. You're like, now it's easy, but just that journey and, and just all of the like learning things, like, I guess I have a few questions about mindset here is um, what was one thing that you noticed? You talked about your inner voice and like learning that those um, voice, like what you were telling yourself was always, or majority of it wasn't true. And what are some other mindset things that you noticed playing a big part into these roadblocks? Yeah, well, there's so much about our inner experience that can really determine our outer experience in terms of what we perceive to be true or important or what we allow ourselves to do. So for instance, you know, there's a phenomenon in psychology or sociology, or I'm not even sure where, but it's called confirmation bias. 
which is that we look for evidence of the things that we believe to be true. So if I believe that all musicians are nasty, competitive people, and that I will forever have to guard myself and cannot create deep and meaningful relationships, if I ever encounter a musician who rubs me the wrong way, I'm going to hold that up as the evidence of my beliefs. And anything that whenever a musician's nice to me, I would write that off and be like, that doesn't count. I'm, I'm going to forget about that. And the opposite is true too. So, you know, I talk to musicians where this is literally the conversation we have where they'll say like, I can't stand being around musicians. They're so mean, they're so competitive, they're so superficial. And for me, I'm like, we must be in totally separate universes, although we're not. This is one very small field where everyone around me is so kind and supportive and encouraging and open. So the beliefs that we have about ourselves and the world, we will look for evidence to support those beliefs. So it becomes really important to look at and acknowledge what beliefs do I have without even realizing or acknowledging what they are or where they came from? And is that a belief that's going to be helpful to me? So it's not even about judging or attacking ourselves for believing that. It's like, is that helpful? Is that one working for me? So for instance, another really common belief that I have certainly struggled with every step of the way and all my clients struggle with is imposter syndrome. You know, who am I to start teaching online when so-and-so is doing it and they're way more experienced than I am, or they're a better teacher? Who am I to coach musicians when I haven't had a career as a professional musician? I wasn't even a music major. Like that's a real belief yeah. that was with me for a really <laughs> long time. Um, you know, in writing my musical, I've had a lot of beliefs like that around who am I to write a musical when I don't have a music degree? I've never, you know, formally studied theory or composition or whatnot. That held me back for a really long time until I decided, wait a second, I would never hold someone else to that standard. I would never tell someone else that they can't write music just because they didn't study it in college. <laughs> and I also realized that this is something that I can change. I can start learning now. There's no reason that that has to be the case. So those are just some examples of where our mindset can really stand in the way of us taking the practical steps that are going to bring us closer to what we want. Yeah. I love how you said, like, I can start learning now. And that was a big takeaway for me um, from the intensive was you were talking about there's a whole network of adult learners out there and they want to learn. And I even had a breakthrough moment with one of my students this week. Like I was like, I think she needs some of the fundamentals. I teach like my beginners. And I just like started working on it with her. And suddenly she was like, I've never learned this before. And how do you know this stuff? And where, where can I access information about it? And I was like, oh, I didn't even have that connecting thought. Like, I was like, this is what I teach a first year violinist, you know, or first week. And, and it was just kind of a, like seeing the words that you said from the intensive light bulb moment of approaching like an adult learner. And they were like, this is connecting all the dots for me. I don't know if it connects the dots for my, you know, little six-year-old learning, but, you know, she sees it. 
and all the value that it has in her playing. So yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. Yeah. That was just something that I was like, I really took away and I've even found in my own learning, just seeing how in my own playing, like learning some fundamental things here or there, and even in business now too, (laughs) just knowing like, oh, it's, it's pretty simple, but sometimes I stare at it and it feels so daunting and new and complicated. (laughs) And honestly, all it is, is reaching out to that one person in like the DMs or on an email or something. (laughs) Yeah. Those limiting beliefs really get you. (laughs) They totally do. Um, And then I guess speaking to like imposter syndrome um, and you talked about with like, you're, you know, you're, you're coaching musicians now and you're like, I was never professionally trained in this until like now you're getting lots of coaching, but kind of that whole limiting belief is something I, you know, I definitely approach too as seeing so many musicians out there, you know, playing better than me or, you know, teaching better than me. And I definitely fall into the whole, um, and I bet listeners can relate to the whole, like, well, they do it better than me. Why can't, I mean, why am I doing what I'm doing? (laughs) Do you have anything to like speak to that? Like how to quiet that down? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think part of it is it's, it's really hard for us to not put put people on a pedestal, but we Mm -hmm. still can, and we can do that without like putting people on a pedestal is somewhat dehumanizing in a mm. sense because we start to think, oh, they're perfect. They have it all figured out. They don't have any of these fears or concerns that I have. And my experience working with really, really accomplished high-level musicians who I look up to is that, you know, they're actually just people who experience the same stuff and are on that same journey or their own version of it. So I think that's part of it too, that I don't think we get to that place and suddenly feel all the insecurities are gone. If anything, it's just more Mm self-acceptance of, you know, I have allowed myself to move forward in spite of my flaws and insecurities rather than deciding that those things are a reason to not move forward. So I think that's part of it is how do we relate to other people? But I think the other aspect is who are we not, who are we to not give ourselves the chance? Because none of us have any idea of what we're capable of if we don't start somewhere and start trying. So, you know, I know for a fact that everything that I have happening in my career now is a result of all the things that I have been doing over the last 10 years. I didn't wake up one day being like, I think I can help musicians replace their income during a pandemic. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm totally capable of that. In fact, you know, earlier this spring when it became clear that that was what the reality was, I was terrified and I was afraid that my business would collapse and none of it would work under these more dire circumstances, but but what I've found is that I've been able to do what I needed to do this year because I've been in the practice room of my career for a really long time of showing up, having conversations, 
having client experiences that went great, having client experiences that did not work great, dealing with a lot of challenges, um, having to stand up for myself, try new things. So it's all training for the ultimate place that we're going to be. And knowing where I am now, like I wouldn't change a single thing about what I did over the last 12 years to get here. So, wow. That's amazing. Cause it's like, you can see over, you know, and you've like the acceptance that you talked about having that self-acceptance of all those experiences kind of adding up to a moment. I mean, right now where you really can help so many musicians with their careers in this really changing, evolving situation. Um, hopefully it won't stay around for much longer, mm-hmm. but we'll see. <laughs> but yeah. And just having, having that acceptance to be like, wow, all of those hard things and hurdles and all of the good things too have come around to like create this great product and service that I can really provide and give such strong value to, which is so awesome to see that. And I've definitely reaped the benefits of it. <laughs> and well, it's funny, you know, um, with my clients, something that, because for many of my clients, they come to me because they are at a point of career transition or they've been really successful in one way, but they're looking to add on a new dimension of what they do. And even though I look at them from the outside and I see, oh yeah, you're gonna be great, no problem making this transition, for them it feels really scary and really vulnerable. There's this fear of what will all my colleagues think. And one of the exercises that I have clients do is to create what I call, I heard about this from someone else, I didn't invent this term, but it's the evidence list, which Mm -hmm. is what is all the evidence of why you are ready to do what you're going to do. And in doing this exercise for myself, I realized that all of my failures, all of my mistakes also go on this list. I, you know, I'm so grateful for all of them because I'm such a better coach because of all the mistakes and wrong turns and disaster situations that I've had, because there's hardly anything that a client can come to me with that I haven't experienced before that I haven't dealt with. And that makes me a lot more useful. So um, yeah, whenever my clients have a challenging experience, I feel their pain, but also I'm just grateful for them to get that learning because it's going to be so useful for them going forward. Yeah. Um, there was something you just said that I, I latched. Oh, it was kind of you seeing all of these things, you know, line up and now you have these clients that you're serving, um, and helping. It's kind of, I was wondering if you ever saw yourself in this place. I think you might've said that earlier, but like, if you ever saw yourself just being a business coach working with, did you ever see that? Well, for a lot of my years at Icadenza, that's kind of what it was. Um, You know, I wasn't necessarily doing the type of coaching I am now, but yeah, that was, that was a lot of what I did. And it was great. I, I, I never thought that this was a job, you know, no idea that this is a thing that people actually do and can get paid money for. So it's wonderful. And I've always loved being around artists, around creative people. I just mm-hmm. love like the inspiration and being in the presence of that. And 
for a while, I, I thought that was enough for me. Um, but then it just sort of became clear that there's a whole other part of me that's going to feel really neglected and unhappy if I don't give myself a chance to step into that. So um, that's sort of what I've been working on. And what I found is that the more I do that, the better my business grows the, and the better I am able to be in it. Yeah. Are you talking about like the musical? Yeah. yeah, writing the musical and and part of it too is the journey of what it's taken to be at a place that I am at in writing it. A lot of lessons, a lot of building new skills, a lot of joining programs and building my education in this whole space, which, you know, I uh, hadn't really attended to since I was in high school. Oh, wow. No, that's so cool to see how those things that you were like, those were like a core part of me. And now they're coming back into your life because you're like, I really love those things. That's awesome to see all that coming, like unfolding. Um, And I guess kind of because I bet a lot of us are in that whole transitional phase, you know, right now, Um, whether for just starting leaving school in school or, you know, transitioning from something completely different from our normal career because of what is happening in the world. Um, Do you have like kind of three tidbits of like advice for this time in your life? For dealing with your transition, that kind of- Yeah, transitions. Yeah. Well, I think, I honestly feel like there's a big piece of allowing yourself to to be vulnerable through it that I think is really, really important and to feel the feelings because even there are all kinds of transitions, even happy ones tend to have an element of loss or sadness in them and can be quite difficult. So a huge career transition for me was when I stepped down from running iCadenza, which was both really happy and exciting because I was doing that in order to make space for this project but once I initiated that chain of events, I like I had no idea what I had gotten myself into because first of all, I felt so much sadness, so much loss at leaving this position that had been my only professional identity for my whole career. Um, I felt like I was abandoning my team and all the people who I worked with Um, I was afraid that I might never be successful again and that the best stuff was behind me. (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, And I was sort of consumed with the desire to control all the outcomes when I didn't have all the information. And that was one, I, I would say that's one of the biggest lessons too, is in any kind of transition, you are stepping into the unknown. That's literally what it is. And I remember having like this unending list of fears and concerns of things that hadn't been resolved of who was going to replace me and what was going to happen to this team member and what was going to happen to this client and what about this project I had set in motion what was going to happen with like all of those things and what I remembered was that week by week solutions would come and it would get resolved often in a way that was better than what I had been thinking about. And it would be resolved with more ease than anything I could have tried to force. And it was really just about letting time 
do its thing and giving myself the space to process that transition. So even though I stepped down to work on my musical, I, I announced it to my team, I think in July, I didn't write a single note for the musical until February. And I just, wow. that was a mindset issue where I was like, <laughs> I'm a failure because I have my musical immediately. So, um, so yeah, if I, if I had to boil it down to three top steps, I would say, allow yourself to feel the feelings because that's part of this process. Try to let go of control and allow yourself to be fully in the unknown. And I would say, make sure you have support around you. You know, like so much will need to be talked out, you know, find mentors. Um, I had different coaches who I was working with, um, but I like, I needed a lot of support during that time because it was so scary and I didn't know what was happening, but, but, you know, and it's all, it was all so great too, because the things that we learn in that moment, we are growing in a very aggressive way. And so much of where I am now, I think is a direct result of that willingness to step away, even though I was at a stage with running I Cadenza where it was like, I finally felt like I knew what I was doing. Things were going great. Our company was doing ever better than ever before. There's a part of me that was like, why would I leave now? I finally have all the things that I worked so hard to have. Why step away? But it was it was a great thing to do. Wow. Those are amazing tips of advice. <laughs> oh, I love that. Okay. So to kind of just wrap up here, um, I guess let's just do some fun questions. <laughs> So, um, what is your favorite form of music? You know, I love musical theater for sure, mm -hmm. but I would say like in the classical space, I probably art song. Ooh, okay. That's French art song. Wow. Specific. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, which one did you say again? French art song. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's so good. good. That is so great. Okay. And then of course your favorite composer. Well, I think this this ties into that, but Gabriel <laughs> Fauré's like top, probably my number one. Also, Von Williams. Oh yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Oh yeah. Now I'm gonna go listen to Fauré or, or Von Williams <laughs> after this interview is over. Um, and then a fun one: your favorite dessert because food and music they go together. Definitely ice cream. Oh, what flavor? Oh gosh. Um. <laughs> Well, I have an ice cream maker. I've, I made a lot of ice cream this year. Oh. So, uh, pistachio is great. Chocolate chip. Um, yeah, pistachio is probably my number one. That's That sounds amazing. Like homemade pistachio ice cream. Wow. It's not as hard as you might think. It's actually pretty easy. If you get pistachio butter, like nothing too complex. So. Oh, okay. I'm going to look this up now yeah. too. <laughs> Okay. And then um, on the business side, any organizational software or tip? Um, you know, I'm not the most techie person. I do use some apps and things. I'm a bullet journaler. Mm. That's my main source system for organization. Um, I also love the budgeting app, YNAB, You Need a Budget. 
It's a little tricky to figure out, although they have really great resources. But um, once I learned how to use it to organize my money, um, I'm obsessed with it. I check it at least once a day. And it just makes me feel really empowered when it comes to my financial situation. Oh, wow. I'm going to link that in the show notes. That's awesome. Uh, how do you spell that? <laughs> Y-N-A-B. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll find it. <laughs> and then a final like actionable tip to just kind of close off the interview. I would say the number one tip that I always give is when in doubt, have conversations with people whether you're looking to grow your teaching studio, get more performance opportunities, start an artistic collaboration, really anything in our profession, it comes from our relationships with other people. So, so much of the business I have comes from people who I have been getting to know over many years. So that's the number one thing um, that will make a big difference, I would say. Wow. It's a great tip. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Jennifer, so much for being on the show with me today. I really, really enjoyed our conversation and it was just so inspiring and and just hearing about all of the transitions and just where people where you know you're going and what you're doing now I relate so much and just my life and stuff so thank you thank you so much for being on the show absolutely thanks for having me thanks for listening to the before the stage podcast I hope that you enjoyed the show today don't miss an episode and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts. And if you have any questions or topics for Before the Stage, feel free to write me at beforethestage at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time on the show. Hey there, do you run a podcast? Well, here is a podcast secret you might like. The podcast editors. This team of editors help before this stage create this quality content for you. It's a vital part of the podcast team that keeps the show going. If you need help with editing or want one last thing to do with managing a podcast, contact the podcast editors today. Check out their services at thepodcasteditors.net. Also, it will be linked down in the show notes. Thanks for listening.